0: Hello, you are listening to the AmiTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the A and M Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, Suzzle, and Silk. The AmiTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too. Today is October 6th, 2022. I'm your host, Ann Mazinga.
1: And I'm Chris Walton.
0: And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing. Chris, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
1: I gotta tell you, and I'm, I'm watching the video. I'm, I'm thinking the hairline's getting a little... I think I need to go full shaved, Anne. Oh I think God. I need to take a drastic measure and do something you with my hair. mean on your head. On my head, yes, yes, yes. yes Important yes. point of full clarification. Full shave, not body, Anne, but full head. You know, I was talking to my stylist last week, and uh, she said, you know, believe it or not, a lot of guys do the hair transplants, and you just don't know it. And so she's got. Do my you interest not know peaked. it? No, I don't think you do. Like honestly, I don't think you do. They get they're getting so good at it. Like everyone in Hollywood has it. Yeah, for I know sure. you said that like, multiple they, times. No, about and the key Tom is, too. I asked her too. I was like, the key is the flat line across the head. Like if the hairline's flat. That's your dead giveaway that they've had. A why transplant. are they
0: still doing hair transplants with a flat front? Like, why wouldn't you try to mimic the natural hairline?
1: I don't know. My guess is because it's probably hard to do, but I don't know. And plus, hmm. people get duped all the time. I'm like, you know, we've talked about it. With like, you're like, oh, that guy's great head of hair. I'm like, bullshit. He's, you know he's got a, yeah. he's got a transplant going, but anyway, and i I'm either going one or the other here. Cause for those watching on video, man, it's getting desperate up there. This getting is desperate now, up top. This is
0: now a hair transplant <laughs> podcast. It's not a retail podcast anymore. We are now talking about all things aging, aging yeah. or hair transplants are one of, one of yeah. all of the above,
1: right? We should just go back to the weather, which shout out to Evan <laughs> from a uh, planalytics for his comments on that last week to me on social. That was great. But, uh, yeah, and I think we should just let's get to the headlines. All right, what, let's, let's do not it. beat around the bush. You know, get it, hair the bush. I have no hair. Uh, anyway. Bad joke. All right, there's no bush on top anymore. There's nothing left. All right, today's <laughs> fast five headlines are brought to you with the help and support of Manifest. Where can you get unprecedented access to the people and technologies changing the way the world moves? Only at Manifest. But that's not all. You can also expect thought leadership, networking, and of course, a little fun. And you might just run into Anne and me at the show as well. The show takes place from January 31st to February 2nd. A special discount link will be available in our show notes, and you can also learn more at M-A-N-I-F-E dot S-T. That's M-A-N-I-F-E dot S-T. Chris, did you see that they've announced the musical guest? No, they did. Who is it?
0: Nelly, No, shut the front door. Nelly. Yeah. Um, oh. so if you have no other reason to get to Vegas for awesome. manifest, Nelly is the reason that you should do it. Once again, Huge continuing news. the tradition of bringing back every like basement party from college to the retail conference circuit. yeah, right. We have ludicrous there last year. We got Nelly this year. When are you going to get this opportunity to see Nelly in like this most intimate of a setting? I don't know, but it's getting hot in here. Oh, oh yeah. This I hope you don't dance like that. I, is this
1: is like, yeah. We'll, I'm be, my, we'll be on the opposite my, end. My shimmy shake here oh my on, God. on the video. This is great. All oh right. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on Walmart selling its tech to Asda. Schnook's new Flex Force employment option. I love that. Walgreens turning to robots to help with fulfillment. Deliveroo launching its first store in the UK with Morrisons. We'll see how many times we screw up Deliveroo in this <laughs> in this conversation. But first, we take off with a move long theorized, and now it's here. Anne.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this I know because I've been talking about it for a while, and it's yeah, finally, finally happening, Chris. Is. That is right. Peloton is going to sell its bikes and treads at Dick's Sporting Goods. According to CNBC, the partnership makes Dick's the first brick-and-mortar retailer to carry Peloton equipment outside of Peloton's namesake stores. A launch has yet to be announced, but the two companies are teasing that they will have Peloton products in more than 100 of Dick's almost 700 stores nationwide in time for the holiday shopping season. They do have a list of those stores on the website if you're interested in which stores those are going to be. Oh, you've
1: done your research. Oh, I
0: have. The products will be in specific Peloton displays, and Dick's employees will be trained to assist customers with them. And important to note that the prices will not vary between Peloton and Dick's. Chris... Yeah. Why don't you give, give the listeners an opportunity to hear what your thoughts I, are on this? Because I mean,
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have that much to say on this one, really. I mean, I kind of like, fine. You know, we talked about this a while ago, and it's here. Like, yeah, kind of it's like we have to is kind of how I feel like with this whole thing, with the Peloton story and the new leadership. But my question is really, where do you go from here? You know, and the last point you mentioned about pricing, I find really fascinating, too, because yeah. at, at some point that's going to go away. Like, everyone always tries to do that, but you can't keep it because Dicks will get backed up on inventory, so will Peloton at some point, and the pressure will come to move units, and then you're just another exercise bike on the floor at Dicks at a discount. And so for the life of me, I can't understand why Peloton, of all brands, needs to go wholesale this overtly, this quickly. It feels like the brand, through the addition of exercise equipment and apparel, it should be able to stand on its own. And so, I, honestly, if anything, I'm just kind of – I'm kind of sad this morning because I think of what could have been with Peloton and where it's going, and that crushes my heart, Anne, because I actually like Peloton a lot.
0: Well, I... I don't know. I have to say I love this move. You love it. I know that you are against, you know, going wholesale, but let's be real here. If you want to create a product that's going to get like you need subscribers. They sell the bike once. That's one time they're getting the money from the apparel Mm -hmm. from the subscribers. And if you're going to do that, you need to go mass. And Dix is the best place, I think, to do this kind Um, of the only
1: place too.
0: I well, I you know, I've said I think Target would be another appropriate spot for this to potentially you did go. One time, but yeah. I, I do think that Dick's the Dick's sporting I'm goods store is where I would have gone first, first before Amazon and anyone else. For sure. We just shot a video that is gonna be coming out soon from the Dick's new house of sport concept. And I think if you think about Peloton in that context mm-hmm. of like You know, Dick's really nicely executed these houses like shop and shops within their existing um, store footprint in this house of sport. And I think that gives like kind of a different appeal to the Peloton experience. You still get to have a, a Peloton like shop and shop inside of this Dick's Sporting Goods. But I also think, you know, this is much more fitting for Peloton than a standalone mall store. Like those mall stores are only in the A malls, like elite locations. This is now bringing it to the masses. You have, like, when I was in that Dick Sporting Goods store, there Definitely were the masses. tons of moms in there shopping for their kids, you know, which is something that they're doing for back to school mm-hmm. each seasonal sports time period. And now you have something for them to see and try out. Like, you have to get the screens, you have to get the classes. Like you've said multiple times, like, you have to get people on those bikes in order to get them as interested in these classes. And I think this is a great way to do it. Second point you mentioned, too, yeah. I think this is a better opportunity when you look at what Dix is doing with their apparel shop and shops for their yep. own brands. This right. is a fantastic opportunity right. to really bring Peloton apparel to the level of a Nike and Under Armour um, or any of the other brands um, if they really are trying to make that apparel play.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, at the end of the day, let's recap where we are. They're on Amazon now. Mm-hmm. They're in Dix. They're full on mass, right? Yeah. And so. It is what it is now at this point. And so, yeah, it's the, to me, like I said before, it's the right next move. My question is, where does it stop, too? Like, if you're in Walmart with this, like, that becomes an issue to me, potentially. Target, like I said, I don't necessarily agree that's the right move for a whole host of reasons on both sides. But, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think it, 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 it feels like the right thing to do now.
0: Yeah, I mean, what? Let's look at some of the other competitors, like Nordic Track or like some of the other ones. Like you're not seeing that in Target, Walmart, whatever. Like you're seeing that in a big no, sporting not. goods, you're or like that for that reason, concept 2 right? or yeah. like any of these other Maybe
1: Best Buy. You could go to, sure. too. but sure. I don't, I don't know. It seems like the natural outgrowth here. But all right, let's keep rolling. Headline number two. I'm glad you love it. Oh, and 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 you're in the market for a Peloton too, right? For oh, the yeah. Audience, just to let them in on a little inside baseball.
0: Yes, I am in the market for a Peloton, but I think I'm going to buy a used one yeah. off of marketplace instead
1: that's i think that's a better way to go plus they're pretty expensive now too all right headline number two asda has chosen walmart commerce technologies as its trusted partner to help deliver flexible shopping and pickup experiences for asda's customers through store assist platform through its store assist platform According to a Walmart press release, StoreAssist is an out of the box mobile first fulfillment application that provides a seamless integrated approach to picking, staging, and handoff capabilities for in store and curbside picking, as well as for delivery. Is there any tech, and where they don't say a seamless integrated approach? Any tech like frictionless PR and thing, seamless? Right? God. Have, please, to be in the,
0: have to be in the press please release. Please
1: just stop. All without right. Without a doubt. The system was designed from Walmart's in house buy online pickup and store technology that has been leveraged across Walmart for more than 10 years. In over 5,000 stores, and the plan is to roll the tech out to more than 330 as the super stores across the UK to help as the improve employee picking speed and accuracy. And you had a unique angle for why you wanted to include this story this week. This headline, do tell the audience about that angle, please. Can I
0: challenge a question? Have they really been doing this for 10 years and 5,000 that, stores? I, that's
1: why I stopped when I read that. I was like, Really? That 10 I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe you've been doing curbside. Ten years is what 20, 2012? Yeah, yeah I, I guess. don't remember. They weren't doing it that much. Okay, I've although yeah. they probably they might have been doing it in the UK actually. Sure. That yes. Know? And okay. They used that to, makes And sense. they used to own Asda sense. too, right? Yes. Yes. So. Yes.
0: Okay. Well, the reason that I thought this was important to include because the first thing I thought of when I read this article was actually like, oh no, Instacart.
1: Right. Like that's I think it's brilliant. It's Instacart a brilliant angle.
0: has been like blowing out since the last two weeks of grocery shop when they made the announcement about their connected stores platform and all the things that they're able to offer retailers. But now you have Walmart coming in here, an expert with, you know-
1: Someone that knows how to run a grocery store?
0: Yes, exactly. 4,000 locations where apparently they've been doing this for 10 years. They can do fulfillment for now other retailers like ASDA they have go local where they can do delivery yeah. and today they announced the acquisition <laughs> right? of alert innovation to operate yeah. fulfillment center so it's like, like
1: 20 minutes ago right right like yeah. just
0: before the show breaking news but i think that like f- to quote you they walmart has been eating what they c- they cook for a long time and now they're able to roll that entire platform out to retailers across the country and across the world so it, it makes me question like now where does instacart sit with this and the only thing that I can think of that may make some other retailers hesitant is the same kind of thing we've seen with retailers who you know Amazon's offering the same thing. Will there be reluctance right. from retailers to to let Walmart into their their walled gardens?
1: right, absolutely. I think that I think all those points are brilliant. The point about instacart especially like the, to hit on the jaded part like right yeah they're there is a little bit of the element of like Asda has a pre-existing relationship with Walmart. So this isn't that Completely big of a win fair. yet. But yeah. kudos to Anshu Bardwaj, who's heading this yeah. up. Big friend of Talk, Interviewed her a couple times at Shop Talk now over the years. And she's awesome. So I'm glad to see her getting this win under her belt. But I think the bigger point is is what you're saying here. It's like- it's just a brilliant point about Instacart, and we alluded to it a couple of weeks ago, because like, what right does Instacart have to say to the marketplace that they know how to run a grocery store? When has Instacart ever done that? Right. Walmart has, Kroger has, and similar to American Eagle's Frenemy Network, this is a concept that's only going to gain more traction over time. Right. And You remember, Ann, because you were there with me, coincidentally, I pitched this idea to our boss back at Target <laughs> in 2016. I called it something like Target Retail Services, but alas, it didn't take there. And I don't know if it has it to this day, but kudos for Walmart for doing it, making it happen. Mm-hmm. You got to get a win under your belt. Sure, yep. it's as a fine, but you know what happens next. And I think they said they had something like what was it, five thousand, or I don't know, it's five thousand or five million, either sites or deliveries through the Go Local network already, which yeah. is standing that up too. So yeah, they're they, you know it shows you that there's a lot of ways to approach this problem, mm-hmm. yep. I and mean, it just shows me that Instacart is foolishly approaching it as well not to bring it back to them again I mean, what but. would
0: you do chris like if you if you think about this like you're a regional grocer like what are you doing you maybe if you're already selling through instacart but you're like toying with go local like deliveries with walmart like it feels like walmart could be able to offer you especially a u.s retailer i think many more options for doing this right
1: yeah i mean i like the position that the the local grocers are in because it gives them a lot of options from which to source you know they just have to get good leadership in to help them make those decisions but ultimately there's a lot of players in this space that can offer you ways to improve your business and it's going to be your choice of what you want to go with
0: right all right chris let's go on to headline number three Midwest Grocer, speaking of our favorite regional grocers, uh, Schnook Markets has introduced Schnook's FlexForce employment option at select St. Louis area stores. According to Progressive Grocer, the Flex assignment perk allows associates to optimize their work schedules by selecting shifts and store locations that best fit their personal schedules while creating opportunities for growth and learning at a pace determined by them. Schnooks teammates can simply log into a Schnooks scheduling app to view and claim open shifts. And if they choose, can also opt in to receive notifications of open shifts. Now, Chris. Yes, Anne. This, I know what's coming. This also happens. You always to do be, that now. I do. Pause. <laughs> yes. It's like. Now, now Chris. Chris <laughs> pause. Uh, this is also AM Consumer and Retail Group's uh, question of the week. So, Chris, CRG wants to know Schnooks. FlexForce introduction here is an indicator that introducing the gig workforce into traditional retail jobs may be on the way, something that some AM CRGers have previously said <laughs> makes a lot of sense. As this new labor marketplace is unveiled, what do you see as the early wins and potential pitfalls for workers? Retailers and customers, which is a great question for you because you ran stores and this. I'm really yeah. excited to hear what your thoughts yeah, are. Yeah, no, this. this is a
1: banger question again. I, 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 these guys are just absolutely killing it with the questions. They're like making me, like making us both go like levels deeper on the analysis here, which is so awesome. I love it. So keep it coming, guys, but um, guys and gals, but um. All right, so first of all, let me t- let me hit the headline and then yeah. I'll get back to AM questions. Okay. So, first, I just want to give a shout out to my boy Dave Steck, uh, <laughs> who I interviewed at Grocery Shop. You coy old codger, you. I interviewed you on the stage at Grocery Shop and this didn't even come up. We no. listed like 15 technologies that we were excited about, that we got their thoughts on, and this one didn't even come up. So, well played, my friend. Well played because I know he's listening. And, and my take is I love it. I mm-hmm. love it too. Just like AM CRG said, like we're talking, you were actually talking at Grocery Shop to me about. How the topic of tech to make the average worker's life better, right. not more efficient in store, right. but better, was distinctly absent from the grocery shop conversation. Right. And this is this is that. And so easy shift swapping, hard to say, good mm-hmm. alliteration. And picking up extra shifts as an hourly retail employee, I think the, the the starting point of this is like twelve ninety five. Yep. That makes a twelve ninety five an hour. That makes a huge difference for people. So Schnucks, mm-hmm. in my opinion, once again setting the pace for grocery innovation, local grocer that's doing it the right way. And so mm-hmm. kudos to them. Now to your question at An Yes. And MCRG, wins pitfalls for customers, employees, or retailers. So for me, the way I think about that. The customer impact is going to come down to how the employees and the retailers react to this. Yep. Right. Fundamentally. So on the employee side, I don't see much downside. Honestly, I think for the most part, they're going to like it. There may be a few issues on the edges that I could consider like, you know, hey, that person's getting, you know, this shift and they understand the technology better than I do. And so like, that's going to kind of anger people and piss people off, especially those that are older workers in store potentially, but on the management side of things, I have some concerns. Like so. One, can I get my store into a good routine with people swapping shifts? Yeah, generally I like the same people working the same types of things as much as I can get it. Sometimes I staff people to work with each other intentionally. Does that detract mm. from this? Like, does it, you know, create... Can it, yeah, can less you of...
0: program it to like be able to still do that if possible? Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Right, well, like...
1: well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the limitations okay. are, but I think like having certain people work with each other at certain times and being able to rely on that as a store manager is an important thing. Like say, I want a good close or I want a good open and suddenly like two of my best people are swapping shifts Hmm. and working on a different time. And then, like I said before, you know, do the good shifts only go to the people that are acclimated to the tech and does that create dissension? But net-net, I think if it potentially makes the workforce happier, leads to higher retention, less turnover, those are wins that are worth the trial. Yes. 100%.
0: Yeah, I mean, my only, like, question back to you would be, like, Yes, you want certain people to work together or you want to go to open or close, but you also want somebody to be there to work the shift. Like right. that's I think right. that's the biggest question that I have, especially as we're seeing, you know, the mass hires coming on for holiday people like the flexibility to be able to pick up a holiday shift, like for especially for when we think about the larger gig economy, like I drive Uber on the weekends and then to be able during the week to like pick up three or four hours in the afternoon on the days that work for me that I can look at that week. I think that to me is like, it's so beneficial to the retailers. It makes so much sense, you know, from an economic point of view, but then also... The other component of what Schnooks is doing with this, they're also paying workers after each shift, or the, they have the ability to pay workers after each mm-hmm. shift, which I think is another important component to this. Like that's yeah. what's happening with the DoorDashes, right. the Ubers of the world. Like you're getting paid immediately once you you know clock out, and I think that that's another important component to this, not having to wait, uh, especially around the holiday time periods, for you know two weeks to get paid for the shifts you've worked before. Yeah, I didn't
1: so know that was a component of this. So yeah. if that's true, that's that's an awesome angle too. It's hard for me to find the downside, really, to your point uh, around that. Um, You know, the only other thing I could possibly consider would be like you know, the workers are like, well, I put my shift out there. Nobody picked it up. That's Mm -hmm. on you, manager, Mm -hmm. not me. But I I don't see that as a big risk either.
0: I mean, I think coming from the gym management side of things where we've used a a platform like this to hire and to, or not to hire necessarily, but to manage workforce. Mm -hmm. that certainly does happen where it comes, it can come down. Like if I'm looking at the pitfalls, I think that does fall now on the retailers to be like, okay, how do we cover this shift? But I'm hopeful that when you open this up, you'll have a larger workforce to be selecting from. So hopefully, there's more options there to choose from. It's just going to be, yeah. I think, a question of what happens when you have people that aren't as committed to the the job. Yeah,
1: and ultimately that conversation comes down to a coaching conversation, as right. we used to call it at Target. And all right, headline number four. I'm pretty excited about this one because I try. I did. I did some uh, um, research of my own on this one last night, oh, and which I haven't told you about yet. But Walgreens plans to use robots to lessen its pharmacist's workload according to the wall street journal the nation's second largest pharmacy chain is setting up a network of automated centralized drug filling centers that could fill a city block the company says the setup cuts pharmacist workloads by at least 25 percent and will save Mo- walgreens more than one billion dollars a year the main idea being to give pharmacists more time to provide medical services such as vaccinations patient outreach and prescribing other certain medication and your thoughts
0: this makes complete sense to me. I mean, you have one $1 billion in lowered labor costs. Like, that's insane to me. That's just mm-hmm. a, labor and operations. But you have an immediate return on the reduction in expense of labor. You still can have people staffed in the pharmacies, but you don't need to have four people staffed there. And I think that there's still the opportunities, as Walgreens mentioned in this, for those pharmacists who are there to really be providing the one-on-one connections with the communities or to be able to, you know, provide remote, you know, if they're doing that via like a client telling service or something where they're able to, you know, be one pharmacist for a region, especially in rural communities. But I think that eventually this can also minimize regular regulatory concerns. So, like when we're talking about controlled substances, which these robots aren't handling yet, that's not in the the concern. Yes, it helps to remove humans, I think, from this equation, uh, both from the yeah, the reliability sure. of the Walgreens lo- retail location and from um, you know just from Walgreens as a larger entity. Um, I. I think the third component to me that is really appealing to this is what we talked to one of our stars, Stephanie Cruz about from Walgreens, mm-hmm. just the ability now that this is all automated to more sim- simply tie this into some of like the curbside and to go orders. Like if you're, if you if everything's being tracked within a certain app or it's, you know, being tracked right. on Walgreens side to be able to like more seamlessly facilitate those curbside to go orders, um, scan and go perhaps in the store, like it, I think that investing in the back-end operations of this will provide benefit to Walgreens as they operate the store and to their consumers as a result.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, the the one thing I would add just to highlight what you said, too, is like you're scaling your pharmacists. Your pharmacists are hard to hire. Yep. They're expensive to hire. And mm-hmm. now you're able to put one probably at these locations or two or three, however many are required and get more prescriptions filled for each of the ones that you're deploying at that location, which just makes a ton of sense. So to your point, it's about, you know, to me, it's like about freaking time. Yes, please, you know, like Mm -hmm. to quote Austin Powers or whatever it was. But my only ask, though, hits on what you said at the end there. And I tried this yesterday, is for it to work well, you're going to have to make your delivery experience easily understood within the app. Yep. And and that's the opportunity I see for Walgreens. And so Stephanie Cruz is listening. I hope she hears this. But... You know, last time I checked, which was, believe it or not, yesterday, it said, you know, you order on your app and it says five to 10 business days from a centralized facility and one to two business days from my local store. And both are free, which I don't quite understand the difference there because I'm always going to choose one to two then. But my question, though, is when can I actually expect the order? Mm -hmm. So this gets back to one of the fundamental principles of omnichannel Channel Retailing, which is the available to promise logic upfront in the funnel. Because if you're ordering your prescriptions, like it's a Thursday, Mm -hmm. I'm ordering that. I don't know when that means I'm going to get it. Am I going to get it on Friday? Am I going to have to wait till Monday? Yes. You know, five to ten days. You could put me three weeks out on that potentially mm-hmm. on where I am in my cycle, or like you know, I could order on a Wednesday and not have it till like three Mondays from now. Right. That's a problem. So net net, I love the idea, but your conversion's going to go up on this idea, Walgreens, if you can solve that issue, which I think is inherently what you're talking about, because then it ex- then it extends into other operational dynamics yes. too as you look at your available promise for curbside pickup, like you said, mm-hmm. and just the overall mobile app usage too.
0: Well, and I think that it's, you know, the Walgreens, to clarify, the Walgreens stores will still be able to fill those rush prescriptions. Right. Like if you do need something in in the one to two days, you still can get that. I think where this is providing the benefit is for those ongoing scripts. Like, you know, we look at these other companies like Express Scripts and the larger fulfillment center operators out there, mm-hmm. those timelines are much longer like those lead times are much longer so i think if if walgreens is able to like you said if if it's clear to the consumer Mm -hmm. what they're getting this could make things much simpler for the the customer and for the operations of a Walgreens store.
1: Yeah, and there's no reason over the long run they need to be five to ten days out on a prescription right. fill if they're using this either. That's the other point. And well, so, right, like, you that's know, why the
0: centralized f- facilities are so important. Like, you know, if you have micro fulfillment centers that are able to do these fulfillment fulfillments within, you know, five miles of my house now right. instead of f- twenty miles or you know, two hundred right. miles.
1: Yeah, if you place them in the right place, you got to at least be close enough to do two days and get the available promise in there. This is slam dunk to me, you know, and it takes the workload off your store level, like, you know, as well. So, all right, let's keep going. Headline number five.
0: Deliveroo has launched its first bricks and mortar store, and it has done so in partnership with Morrison's. According to Charge Retail, the new store called Deliveroo Hop. That's so cute. So
1: cute. It reminds Uh. me of, like, Peter Rabbit.
0: Yeah, like Easter. Very English
1: bunny. Yeah,
0: adorable. All Uh. right. Deliveroo Hop will allow customers to shop for groceries by ordering on digital kiosks via the Deliveroo app for in-store collection or delivery to local residents and offices. The store will offer over 1,700 grocery items from Morrison's ready-to-eat And it's the best ranges, with Deliveroo's site team picking and packing the orders. It should also be noted that according to research commissioned by Deliveroo, 24% of Londoners now use rapid grocery services once a week to get their groceries. And a further 40% of shoppers also reported buying groceries once every two to three days, bucking the age-old weekly shop trend. Chris... Yes, Anne. Shed a little light on this for us, if you would. Yeah, please. I will.
1: I will. I'm still. I'm still kind of like just thinking about the the bliss of like reading Peter Rabbit, you know. But <laughs> anyway, uh, I have a couple of thoughts on this, Anne. Uh, one. It sounds like a, a lot like what we were hoping Gopuff would do yeah. with its Geary store and Geary Street store in San Francisco, but mm-hmm. ended up doing nothing in in any way, shape, or form like this. And yeah. By that I mean, i.e. the distribution center that also acts like a vending machine. I mean, it sounds exactly like that. Yep. But two, and more importantly, it calls to mind what Jeremy Naren, the founder of GrocerKey, mm-hmm. once told us on a podcast. I don't know if it was a podcast or a conversation I was having with him when he started his delivery business up in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And he told us that the only way. He could even make the economics work. And even that, listening to him, was like still a hard feat. Was that if he warehoused out of Woodman's and then delivered, made his deliveries in partnership with them? Right. Like, you know, because they were storing his inventory for him. So I've never forgotten it when he said this, which is always why I've been kind of thought, thinking or skeptical of 15 minute delivery from the economic side of it, because it's going to be tough to make it work. Yep. And so it tells me that there has to be innovation like this around the edges for that to happen. Right. Because as the statistics showed, the customer clearly wants it. And having done it with you in New York, I would say, yes, I want it to. Or in Chicago when I was trying to get a COVID test rapidly, Mm -hmm. like it was exactly where I went. Because like you need, it was a great service, but- yeah, for the economics to work, I think ideas like this are going to have to come to the fore.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I love this. I want to go see this. I love this execution. Oh, yeah. Good the, call. The challenge for me is why are we still ordering from kiosks? I guess you have to have that for people that walk in, but like the whole kiosk part of it, it's like, yeah, that's a good this point. is not making my shopping yeah, trip faster. Right. Like
1: It's not. It's, it's going to make it really I slow. I think you should just yeah.
0: do away with the kiosks and only do app order head. Like, why do you need to be there? It's not like you're looking at the range of options in front. Of you and you're picking things, it's like let's just order from my app ahead of time and I pick up in the store. Like that's what we really need to do. But I think wh- if if you're doing that method of ordering here, I think this is I'm a huge fan of the execution, better availability of the customer, you know, to be able to pick up things on their terms. Um, The quality is likely better. You have access to Morrison's here. So you've got better produce. You like better options, I think, than what you would traditionally find in what we, you know, what GoPuff Mm -hmm. was talking about Mm -hmm. from a convenience store assortment. And my favorite part of this, Deliveroo as part of this is also expanding its partnership with Too Good To Go for this new store. So, Chris, for 15, they're giving customers the option to get 15 pounds worth of food for five pounds. And it's a surprise, yeah. but it's all fresh produce that's about to about near to go out its out date. expiration date. Not just produce, but like meat, seafood, right. whatever. Yeah. Like, I would totally do that. Totally.
1: You just got to eat. You got to eat real quick. But yeah, no, I, I, I would or too. Or
0: freeze. Like, yeah, that's amazing. Too, but right? like $5, like story, yeah. especially with inflation, like, I don't know. I just went to Costco yesterday and I was like, holy buckets. Yeah, no This kidding. is insane. No kidding. I just spent so much money on food. Like, I'll take this deal all day.
1: No kidding. I want to get back to your point about the kiosk, though. Because while I agree with you in principle, I still think there's an opportunity to reimagine the interface of the in-store kiosk. Yeah. Which, if you come at it blank slate and say, okay, I'm here in this moment, and these are the types of things I want... What is the best way to facilitate that visually Mm -hmm. on that type of screen? I think it's still an untapped market for people, but no one ever has the guts to do it and try it because everyone is so programmed to think it should look like an e-commerce experience and we should type and click and all that kind of stuff. But I think there are a lot of creative companies that if you gave them that task of like reimagine how an e-commerce experience can work in a physical store on a screen, Mm -hmm. there is interesting things that we could find there. Just no one has had the guts to do it yet. I've never seen a screen take that approach to date. But I think it's there.
0: All right, Chris. Yes. To the Let's round? go to the lightning round. All right, Chris. Uh, Cheetos has constructed a monument in Alberta, Canada, in honor of the dusty orange residue. Its <laughs> corn puffs leave behind on Snackers' fingers, which it has now dubbed "Cheetle," like Don, apparently. Chris, I have to know, when you are eating your cheese products, are you a... Uh, Puff guy, a regular Cheeto guy, a ball guy. Like, what What suits you?
1: <laughs> I'm a regular guy all the way. Regular yep. Cheeto? Oh, yeah. And Mrs. Talk is a puff poser. I'm going to call her out right now. And to this day, this is one of the biggest riffs in our marriage because I can't stand the puffs. I think they're disgusting. Ooh. The taste is so different.
0: Yeah I agree I'm full Cheeto All the full way Full Cheeto Yeah especially like When the really small ones That get like super crunchy yeah. I love those Plus I
1: feel like you get More stuff on your fingers With the true Cheeto too I don't
0: like the the Cheetle. I'm not a fan of the Cheetle, But I do love a Cheeto Every now and What's again What's a Cheetle? Cheetle. That's the stuff that That's what the oh, residue the Is called that's called Yeah like Don Cheeto
1: Oh, don't you? It is oh, okay. I did I know that. I I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay, I didn't Chris realize that's where they get the to name. The, the lightning the round picture, questions. Uh, just... no. The picture of this is well. I was, you know, I'm trying to, you know, thinking of my answer as you're talking, but like, the the picture of this is pretty amazing too. You got to look it up. All right, Jack in the Box put out the call for its first ever gamer jack, a full time content creator position responsible for bolstering the quick service restaurant's Twitch presence. And if you're a Twitch megastar. <laughs> That chance that happened. Yeah, <laughs> what would be the game with which you would take on all comers?
0: Um, how much do you, How many applications do you think they're getting for? Uh, you're just gonna oh, play video games thousands. and make videos Hun- for your life. Hundreds of. thousands. Oh my god, I would hate to be the HR team handling those. Yeah. Okay, if I was gonna be a Twitch megastar, I would do. I would play the original Nintendo Paperboy game.
1: Ooh, Paperboy! I love oh, that was a great love game. that game. That was my favorite. You're pretty so, good. Yeah. You could sling those papers. Oh, yeah. I loved that game.
0: <laughs> I would play that game until like 2 in the morning. We it was would, like the like, same level over
1: and over and over again. I know. That's though. why I liked yeah, it. Right. There was
0: no, no challenge. Yeah. Okay, Chris, Liquid Death, the canned water company, is now worth an estimated $700 million. Uh, Chris, I imagine much of your purchasing has influenced this valuation. Uh, so I want to know what inspired you to purchase your first can of liquid death. Was it your desire to have your thirst murdered (laughs) or, uh, did you like that? It was a 16 ounce beer can vessel.
1: Yeah. I got to tell you, I was a slave to the marketing on this one. It had to have been the packaging. The yeah.
0: pa- so, wi- both? Like, you wanted your thirst murdered? That's, like, what they put on the can or just the can size? No, just the packaging. Size and-
1: Yeah, yeah. But, which, coincidentally, is one of the biggest reasons I've stopped drinking it, too. One okay. of two reasons, actually. The okay. One is, I'd be on calls with clients or even doing podcasts with them, and I'd take a sip and people were like, are you drinking a beer? And so, I was yes. like, all right, I don't want to answer that question every time. And sure. somebody might not ask me that question, just might make that assumption, too, which is not what I want. Sure. And the other reason, Anne, is, which it made me, that that stuff makes me way too gassy, which... <laughs> Was no good for you, my friend. Let me just tell you. So that 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 is not going into my belly anymore. All right. The internet is currently roasting NFL quarterback Russell Wilson for his promotion of the Danger Witch sandwich, which begs the question when did you last order and also and eat at Subway?
0: One, I don't know who Russell Wilson or the Danger Witch is. Russell Wilson is wow. No, who is it?
1: He's married to, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name, but he's a quarterback for the Broncos. He used to play for the Seahawks.
0: Okay. Yeah, no idea. Um, well, I found some gift cards when I was cleaning out a car that are at least five years old, and I took my kids there last summer, and I did have a bite of my kid's sandwich and immediately was like, and we are moving
1: on. Really? I will
0: be getting a salad.
1: So what was the last time you went there before that?
0: I can't remember.
1: I know. Honestly, I haven't been there since, like, 2011. Yeah. It's Uh, it's been been, that long.
0: It's been a really long time. Maybe, like, post-bar or something one night if that was the only option. But still, like, I don't know when that was. When am I out post-bar? It's been a long time. Yeah.
1: Where Subway's still open, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That wraps us up. Happy birthday today to Brett Gelman of Stranger Things, Bond girl Britt Eklund, and everyone's seven-year-old, 1984 karate crush, oh. Elizabeth Shue.
0: Or Adventures in Babysitting Crush. Yeah,
1: I know. I feel like we've had her on this before, because I feel like you've said that before, oh, too. Yeah, I love Elizabeth Shue. I love when the birth... That shows you how long we've been doing this, folks, when the birthdays re-anniversary re- themselves. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it on me talk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day, And also features special content exclusive to us, and we make it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And from all of us at OmniTalk Retail, as always, be careful out there.
0: Yami Talk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence, and is also brought to you in association with the a and Consumer and Retail Group. The a Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small, robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit Takeoff.com. And Cezzle is an innovative buy-now-pay-later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com. And finally, Silk. The Silk Cloud DB virtualization platform is a virtualization layer between your workloads and the cloud. Helps you scale your cloud without scaling your costs. Visit silk.us to learn more.